1: You're listening to the Revenge of the Birds podcast, part of the SB Nation podcast network, hosted by Blake Murphy Seven and Johnny Touchdown. All about
2: your Arizona Cardinals.
1: Hello, welcome, in. this is the Revenge of the Birds podcast. Uh, We're previewing the Arizona Cardinals, taking on the Seattle Seahawks. And Thursday Night Football, uh, just a few days after kind of a crazy finish to the Buffalo Bills game. Uh, you know, we've seen a Hail Larry before in Arizona in 2015. This one was being called the Hail Murray around the league. We now change and pivot our attention to a pivotal in-division game. Uh, as joined, uh, Joining me, as always, is my co-host, the venerable John Venerable. And we have a special guest here today as well. We've got uh, Lofa Tatapu. Uh, is that how you pronounce it, at least for your last name, uh, Lofa? Uh, close now at Tatupu it's close now Tatupu Tatupu I was going to say yeah it's great yeah yeah he's joining us at least as part of the At Believes podcasts uh from their network as well uh former Seahawks player um we've got some awesome insight I just kind of wanted to open with a little bit of your background um I know that you at least played for the Seahawks from 2005 got to be a part of that Super Bowl team and You also have some familiarity with uh, Pete Carroll from your time in college. So uh, talk a little bit about why is it like such a special kind of organization that the Seahawks have been Uh, for the last decade? They've been essentially like almost the patriots of the nfc and if you look at that 10 wins pretty much every season and a little bit about with pete carroll with how at his age and that energy that he keeps up he's just become one of these dominant football forces talk a bit about some of your experience there and why you think at least seattle's and pete have had such a winning culture for so long
0: uh well you just said it right at the end it's the culture right and uh when he went into sc they were not a very good program And he had to change the culture and he had to get like-minded individuals and players and people that bought into the same values and things in life that he appreciates. And that's, there's two things that really stand out about him. It's his energy and his attitude. Just like you said, the energy, you know, that's contagious and the way he approaches every day, he's continually trying to get better. And we saw that very clearly back when we were in college, um, the two years I was lucky to play there with a great group of guys we went 25 and one, and we only lost that one game in triple overtime to a guy by the name of Aaron Rodgers. So um, there was no shortage of uh, confidence that we all had, and so he took that blueprint, that formula, after you know eight or ten years down there, and he brought it up to the Pacific Northwest. And um, he's just he's found some incredible, talented guy: Russell Wilson, Bobby Wagner, KJ Wright, just some cornerstones that on each side of the ball that you can really build a, a dynamic team around. And, and that's what he's done. And that's, that's why he's had so much success. And to complement that up here, he's had John Schneider who has found a number of gems, um, especially in the late rounds that that first draft, uh, it was my last year, 2010, he brought in, okay. Earl Thomas, Russell O'Kong, um Golden Tate in the second round, um, Cam Chancellor in the fifth round, uh, I'm trying to think there's Walter Thurman um, in the fourth or fifth round. So he brought in perennial pro bowlers and um, potentially Hall of Famers in that draft. And uh, and that's that's been what they've they've hung their hat on, just quality players that believe in the system.
2: Lofa, you were a, a three time pro bowler. First-team All-Pro in 2007 and a part of, as Blake mentioned, many uh, historically great Seattle Seahawks teams under head coach Mike Holmgren did have an opportunity to play in a Super Bowl uh, against the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers. What would you say the common denominator was for those teams under Holmgren? Why were you so successful, and how do you think that could translate for a young team like the Arizona Cardinals trying to reach that, that plateau? it It
0: really quite frankly just came down to discipline um Mike was one of the greatest teachers of football and uh that I've ever you know learned from, and his teams were never you know it's it's ironic that that Super Bowl you bring up were like you know I think we were one of the most penalized teams in the league, and uh routinely every year we were in the top two or three of not being penalized so that you know has a little to do with those uh, the, the refs that get a hard time for officiating that game, but um, discipline's everything you know not just in football but in life you know doing the right thing off the field in terms of taking care of your your health and your nutrition and your sleep and um, but the way you know good teams they don't beat themselves and routinely I think in college and even in the NFL you know we're seeing a lot of teams beat themselves whether it's penalties. Um, you know, undisciplined in terms of uh, the the scheme, schematic point of view. And so just those were the things that he harped on the most and, and what really translated to us um, being one of the most more efficient teams year in and year out.
1: Right. Um, uh, Cardinals right now are in this aspect of, you know, they've had winning teams in the past with Curt and with Carson that's just never had a type of, youth movement like this for the most part and unlike having you know Pete Carroll uh, they've got kind of a young up-and-comer at least with Cliff Kingsbury but I wanted to shift and talk a bit about the upcoming game Um, the biggest thing as far as a storyline coming into this game has been Seattle has had big defensive struggles and the Cardinals over the last few weeks have been kind of playing in what you'd say a top 10 defense statistics wise but as far as the eye test goes like they've essentially, you know, we gave up 30 points. The Seahawks gave up a whole bunch to the Bills. The Dolphins, essentially, with Tugavailoa in his second start, uh, essentially they weren't able to stop them at all in the red zone. Um, what are you seeing right now that seems to point specifically to Seattle's defensive struggles?
0: Yeah, um, you know, it's, it's evident, you know, last in yards given up and in passing yards is primarily – the, the method or way people are attacking the Hawks and, you know, a lot of injuries. I I think we're not going to be without Shaquille Griffin. Again, that is our best corner. Um, you sprinkle in, in and out Dunbar. I think he's also out for this game. Jamal just got to town and I know he is an all world talent, but, um schematically he's gonna have he had to learn a whole new playbook he had to learn a whole new city and i'm not making excuses it's just things that a lot of people don't take into account when they're you know it's not just plug and play always but he has added a lot to us in terms of pass rush he's really only been healthy for five games and he's got five and a half sacks it's been incredible what what he's added in that in that regard but um just we were talking about a secondary unit that really hasn't even Diggs Diggs came over late in the season in a trade right before the deadline last year. So, um we we're, we're going to try to see that chemistry, you know, develop more and hopefully quickly because um, you know, on the other side of the ball, we we we've, we've had trouble taking care of it just as well.
2: Yeah, you mentioned the the defensive struggles and you know, I want to ask you a specific question with regard to, to Russell Wilson because he's just been so exceptional throughout his career arriving in seattle's in in 20 in 2012 um but it looks like this year more than any in recent weeks specifically he is pressing uh to the point where attempting to overcompensate for what he knows is a team right now that is stro- struggling to stop anybody defensively you know the run game has been inconsistent with with both chris carson and carlos Hyde out now could have those players returning on thursday night but What are you seeing specifically as a defender with Russell in these recent weeks that just wasn't, you know, evident early on in the season?
0: Yeah, I think um, defenses are keeping everything in front of them, you know, and they're limiting the big play. Um, We, you know, I didn't see him really take any big shots um, the last couple weeks. He did have one big one to to Moore in Buffalo uh, late in the game. But um, it looks like they're making them hold on to it a little more. And um, with that, allowing the, the pass rush to get there. So uh, teams are doing a good job uh, in coverage against them. But, um, but yeah, you, he's definitely pressing because he knows right now, just by the way it is, our defense, I think, is averaging about 30 points a game given up. So he has to score at least five touchdowns um, to, to make it competitive. And um, I think in years past, Maybe he got a little too much credit because you had beast mode and a top five defense from 2012 until a couple of years ago. And now that the roles are reversed, he's not getting enough credit for, for how much he does. And um, you know, I think, I think he'll bring it back, back in and um, he'll figure it out. He's too talented. And um, just like I said about Pete, he's too, he's too optimistic about, his ability to make it right. So he's going to get it fixed. He's going to get squared away. And um, and hopefully as we get into December, they start playing their best ball because that's usually how it's been over the last 10 years is as you got into the middle of November, Thanksgiving and December, the Seahawks have played their best ball.
1: Yeah. Backing a, a little bit for that, as far as with Russell, from what I've seen at least going back over some of the, film from the last few weeks uh, it seems like ever since that cardinals game on sunday night football a lot of teams the last few weeks have been blitzing russell wilson a lot more and when you look at a player like chris carson who can create on his own and how uh, ultimately you know the the hashtag the let russ cook as far as going out and throwing the ball a lot more uh, steven ruiz made a really interesting uh, game plan it's kind of you know working with um One of the people in Seahawks Twitter, who's been a big stats guy with Ben Baldwin noted like, hey, like if the Seahawks are throwing the ball a lot more and teams are anticipating the run, suddenly that's part of the ebb and flow of the NFL is if a team starts opening up kind of some of these saying, hey, we'll let you take on, you know, the four yard running play up the middle, knowing you're more likely to kind of throw the ball on second down and put some blitzers in do you think at least as far as seattle goes is that more just a adjustment of figuring out of getting back to maybe some of that running the football if teams are playing more to stop the pass and sending some more of those guys at rust where he's having to you know make plays make some of these crazy throws for the most part and how will that look then against an arizona team that is where uh, you know you look at their roster right now uh, with losing Corey Peters out for the year uh, with Zach Allen already being hurt um, very likely at least looking like they're not going to have Jordan Phillips or their two rookies that we've seen rotational like Foote and Richard Lawrence is this going to be kind of a game where we look at it as potentially a shootout because of the defense and then it maybe flips a bit to this Kyler Drake uh, Chase Edmonds rushing attack where we're We're talking about maybe the best method for these teams is running the ball. How do you think Seattle at least should adjust for the most part coming into this game against Arizona where they're coming off of two straight losses? What's kind of the adjustment on the field that they need to be able to make offensively since right now you can know their defense is maybe not up to par as far as just that's kind of how they've been all season. How can you get it where the offense then is not having to you know, carry the load for the most part, at least, and take advantage of the fact that Arizona is going to be a bit limited.
0: Yeah, they they both present some problems, and and you know, one way that I have seen teams slow Russ down was actually not allowing him on the field. Um, you know, Minnesota controlled it with the ground game. They've been the only team to date that I've seen. I think they had about 200 yards rushing on us um, with uh, Cook and, and Madison, and so. Um, you know, we we really are a very strong and efficient run defense, and which is why people have chosen to take it to the air. But I think you know you gotta just control the clock versus either of these quarterbacks, because you know they can strike at any moment. And um, and and you know Kyler is just on fire right now, so um, I don't want to see Murray out there cooking. So let's <laughs> hopefully establish some of this run game. And because I don't think the first time we played you guys was probably the the time we had. Um, I think Carson. He started the game, but he didn't finish. And I don't know if Hyde did either. And then the next week we, we started, we only had essentially we're down to, um, DJ Dallas and and Homer, both the kids from Miami and and Homer was a little banged up too with a knee issue. So I don't think we gave enough, you know, carries or time to that run game and see if we had against the, you know, a very vulnerable Buffalo rush defense uh, at the time.
2: Mm -hmm. Uh,
0: And so I think you're right. You have to attempt to establish some kind of run game so that neither of these quarterbacks feels that they have to put the whole game on their shoulders. I know that neither of them had a problem with doing that, as they did a couple weeks ago uh, in that 37-34 to 34 shootout. But um, you definitely want to get them help. And, you know, Some quick passes right away just to, to slow down the rush, some quick screens, um, just anything to slow down the rush. And and you know even those those short screens or pitches, that that's like a extended version of the the run game. Uh, you know, just get it out there and throw it to, to either Lockett or, or Metcalf and, and let them get what they can, which is very comparable to a run game.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And I think the Cardinals are at a point with their defensive line depth where it's it's. I I would say a similar situation, what Seattle's dealing with in their secondary from a cornerback standpoint. Corey Peters, their their stout defensive lineman, uh, went out with an knee injury uh, against Buffalo last week. He's going to be placed on season-ending injured reserve. Um, And so they're starting what what equates to a, a handful of journeymen up front on the defensive line this week. So I would fully expect Seattle to try to attempt to run the ball at least 30-plus times in this game in combination with what they can do in a screen screen situation with Metcalf and Lockett if he were able to be able to play. But I, I want to shift our attention just to the fact that, you know, so often – the Seattle home field advantage has been a, a weapon utilized by by Carroll and Holmgren um, in route to you know multiple Super Bowl bursts. Home field advantage has I think never meant more for a team than it has for Seattle. They talk about the 12th man and how much of an impact that can have on you know visiting teams. And while the Cardinals have had some success in Seattle. Um, It's been a big weapon for the Seahawks uh, being able to to bank on the fact that they could win seven-plus home games every year, in part because of that home-field advantage. In your... In your opinion, Lofa, how big of a disadvantage is it for Seattle not only in this game but but moving forward to not have that Twelfth man present for this season to to have limited or no fans um to to be able to 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 knock off a team like the Cardinals who really don't have a home field advantage themselves. They're usually used to a lot of opposing fans, Phil State Farm Stadium, and now that that's shifted and you know nobody gets fans, where does that put Seattle
0: yeah. I mean, normally I would say it's a disadvantage for us, but you know, as we look at the schedule last year, we lost, we split four games and four games at home. So I don't know, if, you know, I know the twelves are going to hate me for this. I don't know if it was a huge advantage to us. <laughs> I say that half-heartedly because I know how much, it, it, you know, how hard it is for opposing offense to come in here. It's you know, and they can't hear themselves talk in the huddle. Never mind when they break the huddle, they get to the line. And Kyler Murray's got to sit there and try to make a check. It's, it's impossible. And often that's why we see better stats when fans are there because um, you know, you can't get to the second play, you know, either you're getting a delay a game or you're getting a false start, You, all those things. And those are drive killers. They will take any drive. I, I don't know what the stat is. I mean, we used to have an analytics guy in there and he would tell us that oh, when you started off with a penalty, you're, 70 percent less likely to score you know even a field goal on that and those things they play a major role because points are at a premium right now and so um since we are four and o hopefully we go five and o um this is the revenge of the birds so hopefully my boys are getting, <laughs> getting the revenge this week but um you know we'll we'll see we'll see how it, you know that pattern or that um uh, it plays out over the the rest of the year but I'm gonna I'm gonna ask fans not to go to the games if we win this one because we'll be five and zero uh, and just skip those last three in those playoffs.
1: <laughs> Sounds about right. Yeah, it's interesting at least seeing with how in the NFL this season the Cardinals have been one of the better road teams in the NFL, where they took um, some of their losses at least and almost took another loss in the Buffalo game outside of a hail mary was in their home stadium. They lost their first game of the season to the Detroit Lions and then um, kind of followed that up at least for the most part with uh, what we would have thought was a near loss to the Bills and kind of seemed like their season's been a bit shaky as far as for up until they're able to churn out a couple of those wins. Uh, it's interesting looking at kind of how similar the Cardinals and Seattle are matchup overall in some cases as far as how the, their turnover dintra- differentials are very similar. Uh, Kyler's three interception game has somewhat to do with that. Russ was essentially like the most efficient player in the league as far as turning the ball over for a little while um and, and as far as avoiding that and then things just kind of seem to change in the last few weeks I, I think a lot of it just from looking at that is it seems like as far as with being blitzed a whole lot more I'm, i don't think it's even as much of the line but uh, the cardinals have like you talked about with penalties staying clean as far as championship teams arizona has been the most penalized team in the entire nfl the bills were second to that um uh, I believe it was like two and three for the most part up until they played this game with the Bears, took less penalties in the game. Suddenly Arizona, you know, they're leading in a category you don't want them to lead in. Uh, they're also leading still, albeit in yards across the NFL as far as for being the number one offense and putting up that production. Uh, Seahawks have been one of the teams that has not been up there as far as penalties, which I think is a big advantage for Seattle, but last few weeks russ has just been taking a lot more sacks there has been more turnovers it really does feel like to me at least in this game that uh, depending on how it goes we might actually see a cardinals team be able to take a lead and not give it up seattle claws back or it may be the inverse as far as for maybe the cardinals shoot themselves in the foot coming out with another slow start um, the question I have is: What do you feel like, as far as for what's kind of when you're looking at strength versus strength, weakness versus weakness? What's one matchup that you think each team should be able to exploit? Uh, one for the Seahawks can exploit offensively, and one that the Cardinals can exploit offensively.
0: I think the the obvious for for Murray and uh, that amazing group of receivers. I mean, you look at you know you got Fitz, DeHop Hop, and uh, and Kirk; those are all phenomenal players. Um, is is through the air and um, you know especially with the depleted secondary um, over here in Seattle and on the other side I'd say um, just like with with all the injuries playing to the cardinal's defensive line is trying to you know give DJ Dallas I think Hyde's going and mean, giving Russ a little in terms of not feeling like all the pressure is just solely on his shoulder so those are uh, those are the two aspects of the game that I see, uh, will, will be impacted based on the injuries.
2: Lofa, I'll let you, I'll let Blake ask you about Kyler Murray here in a second, because I know we haven't really touched on him yet. Um, but I, I want to shift your attention to, to a position you're, you're very familiar with that being linebacker. You came into the NFL, highly touted out of USC, second-round pick, but just immediately established yourself on that 2005 team that would end up going to the Super Bowl. Um, I believe you started every game as a rookie, and I say that because the Cardinals took a linebacker eighth overall this year, and granted they didn't have an offseason, Isaiah Simmons out of Clemson just now is getting an opportunity to play consistently. He may or may not start his, his first career game, uh, Thursday night against the Seahawks. H- have you followed this situation at all with regard to the Cardinals and Simmons? The fact that he was this highly touted prospect, the Cardinals need help defensively, and they just refused to play him right away. They wanted to bring him along slowly. Talk to me about your your experience coming onto a loaded Seattle team in in 2015, or excuse me, 2005, and just kind of making your presence known. and And what advice would you give to Isaiah Simmons?
0: Yeah. No, he's a phenomenal athlete. And, um, you know, I haven't been keeping up with it. But um, my question when he was coming into the league was what position is he going to play? Um, he's sure. very, You know, tall, long, fast. He's everything you want. But he played he played some safety. He played outside. He rushed the passer. So my question was, are they going to be able to find a home for this guy? And and I think that's probably what they're trying to figure out, too. Um, and I think they, they kind of did the same with their first round pick for a couple of years ago with Redick, um, Yeah, if I'm, if I'm not wrong. And so, yep. yeah. And so while they're, they're incredibly talented players, it's just tough, you know, like, um, you know, what makes them special. And I think that's what you go back with every kid and what every kid needs to know when they come into the league. Now for me, what made me was actually not my ability to play the game, my ability to think the game and line up my teammates and tell them, you know what play to expect, down in distance. You know tendencies, formation recognition, all these things. I had a very fast processor in terms of you know my brain. That's what I was gifted with. And while I did, I played, you know, pretty good. I, you know, I thought I was decent. I, you know, I'm not <laughs> going to say I was the best.
2: More than decent. More than decent. I remember you terrorizing p- plenty of car- cardinal teams, middling cardinal teams with with Matt Leiner and company.
0: Yeah, I was, but I was very critical of my game because I wasn't the biggest, I wasn't the fastest, I wasn't you know the strongest. But I found my edge in the film room, and I found my you know edge by, you know, just memoring, memorizing plays, um, memorizing just where the receiver would break his his route off, and that's how I got the interceptions. And so I, I would say my advice to him is just what makes you special, and and that's got to be present. Every time you get out there, because there's some times where, you know, I got not shut out on the stat sheet, but they teams, they were sending alignment up to me and I had maybe three or four tackles, but did we get the win? And did everybody else play? Well, did I elevate everybody else's play? That's what I was. I was gauged off of in terms of uh, productivity
1: let's go ahead and kind of shift and talk about kyler murray like i love what you're saying with simmons we'll see he's supposed to get the start a lot of cardinals fans are anticipating what he'll look like with a full snap count but you've got two mvp candidates going back and forth at each other what we've seen in his second year from kyler murray has been um, just incredible as far as looking at how he's essentially on pace for a better statistical season than lamar jackson had last year He's on pace right now to be the first NFL player with 4,000 passing yards and a thousand rushing yards. He's making runs <laughs> and making guys miss that he did the same thing at Oklahoma. That one Heisman winning gear that people say, Oh, he's never going to make people miss like that in the NFL. And, yeah, Here we are. What player does he remind you of? Is it still just looking at Russell Wilson, even with some of the height comparison that people give, or is it another player, at least in the NFL? And how do you even try to defend someone who's got an arm that can go for a Hail Mary 50 yards down the field and also run with four, three speed to pick up a first down on third and 15 with his legs. It's been crazy to watch this year. And how do you as a defender work against that?
0: Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't envy the job of these defensive coordinators or these defensive players these days. <laughs> guys to worry about that could just – they could run faster than some running backs and receivers. But, um, yeah, Kyler's got it all. He, you mentioned the, the arm angle. He threw that one. We didn't, No one thought that was going to make the end zone. I mean, throwing it – running to your left and throwing left, so try to get your hips behind that, that takes some serious athleticism. And that was incredible on top of the effort by, by Hopkins, you know, to make the catch, but um, it would be a disservice to, you know, I always try to keep the comparisons away because everybody's their own player. Um, And I don't, I don't think we have quite found a guy that, you know, exactly fits the same mold or reminds you of somebody, but I will say it's, it's reminiscent of that, that first year to second year jump that I saw Russell take, um, you know, from making all these plays and then really understanding the offense and what they, they, what's asked of him. And when they went back in 2013 uh, at the end of the season, December, I think they put up like five, four or five 50 point games. And, and I know that that's, that's kind of where Kyler's trending, you know, this year. And so the jump, has been incredible, and I knew it was going to happen when I saw him come up here and beat us last year at home. I was like, "Man, that that kid is going to be a problem," and I keep calling the little dude in the desert. We got a lot.
1: <laughs>
0: that guy is going to be a problem for his entire career. I heard that he he put someone interviewed him today and said he misses baseball. So hopefully, hope hey, you know, Kylie, go ahead and do us a favor and please, oh no, please play some baseball too. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I've always joked Lofa that the Cardinals needed to keep keep him happy because he kind of always had that that ace in the hole. If he if he needed to leverage the franchise, go get me another you know Pro Bowl receiver. Fix the defense, or I'm out of here. Um, so we'll knock on wood and pray that doesn't happen, and they can have some success. So Kyler can sign his his big time extension, a la Mahomes. But um, it's it's been a pleasure having you on. Uh, we appreciate the tremendous insight. Do you have a, a score prediction for for this Thursday's game game?
0: Um, man, I could see it going the exact same way as the last time these two teams played i you know with the it's it's only been what really two and a half three and a half weeks or whatever it wasn't even a full month i don't think uh especially with the shortened week this week so when you play a divisional opponent you're pretty familiar with them and there's not going to be a whole lot of new wrinkles you can add in on the offensive side of the ball and um and that game was anything but vanilla man they uh what 37 34 or whatever the final was it was incredible to watch but I think these defenses will – they're going to have to try to get creative, uh, especially with the injuries going on right now. So uh, I, I'm going to expect to see both of these teams score uh, north of 30. I'll say that much.
1: Yeah, I've got a 6-6 six, six, – uh, I've got a 6-6 six, six tie. That's uh, the most least likely <laughs> outcome that I think we're looking for in this game, especially since they've played once already. So uh, it's been great having you on to be able to talk about all of this. Uh, why don't you uh, – this will be kind of something we can – throw to you at least but what would be like one uh, kind of with your time in the league either some story you feel like you want to share maybe something you could have said or done now that you're kind of on the outside of it just kind of like a little bit of uh just kind of something you can share at least about all that as well as make sure you can plug yourself with where uh more fans can want to listen to you guys your content and some of the uh the stuff that you guys are doing i know there's a lot of podcasts that are out there and it's hard to listen to all of them but there's ones that really do stand out it's been great being able to have you on and hear some of that insight so i want to make sure our listeners even though they may be cardinals fans can hear some of that too
0: (laughs) yeah um you can find me on instagram uh and the, the podcast it's the seahawks podcast on the believe network and um so you can find that anywhere you get your podcasts on any media uh, platform. And um I'm personally at Lofa underscore Tatupu. And um let's see, stories that well I'll tell you one that I'm sure your fans would like to hear. So um 0 oh 2. I am oh and two against my Heisman trophy winning quarterback, Matt Leinert. And he came.
2: Oh
0: in. no! Yeah, uh, I did pick him off. So take that, Maddie. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, the, he he started two games. I think in '06 and '07 against us. I think Kirk got hurt in '07. it was uh, one of those situations where he he was healthy for the first year and then. Hurt the second year, but played the second game because Kirk got hurt. So, uh, And he beat us both times.
2: It's crazy because I don't, I don't even remember that happening. I just assumed, you know, with how good those Seattle teams were and then how quick Matt's exit was from the desert, that that never happened. So I'm glad I'm glad he, he, he you guys can share that together.
0: Yeah, because we went back. I told him I was going to pick him off, though. And he didn't try, <laughs> he didn't try me after that, you know, because I would have done it again. But uh, yeah, that's my, that's my quarterback. And, uh, awesome. you know, it was uh, it was fun competing against him and and guys like Reggie and, and all that. But um, yeah, always the divisional battle between the Cardinals always had the utmost respect. And I mean, those were some just, those were some physical games when, you know, uh, with the offensive line, but then, you know, you edge James, you got Anquan Bolden, who I think doesn't get ever enough credit for, how great of a ball player he, he was, and, uh, and then Fitz, of course, too, man. It was no shortage of weapons over there.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Those, those Cardinal teams are very, are very fond in our memory. And Lofa, we, we appreciate and are thankful to be able to have you on. We hope to be able to, to bring you back next season. Um, and uh, continued success, my friend.
1: Absolutely. Thanks again for joining us. This has been the Revenge of the Birds podcast. We'll be coming back to you uh, after the Cardinals-Seahawks game, probably sometime next week. It's the mini buy, as they call it, where there's... No games on Sunday. The Cardinals will at least get a little bit of a breather. Hopefully that they can get healthy, and the Seahawks, at least, I know will be looking at another game after that mini-by-two. Uh, you can follow us on Spotify Podcast, Apple Podcasts, as well as at revengeofthebirds.com. Uh, and thanks again. Make sure that you also check in with, like you mentioned, the Believe Podcast Network, as well. Uh, give some of their uh, shows at least follow if you have to. We always love to be able to with other people doing the same things that we are. We'll check you guys out on the other side. Uh, well, hopefully the Cardinals will be able to get to 7-3. and three. If not, we'll be talking about a 6-4 and four team with the last stretch of the season
2: coming up. Take care, everyone. Lofa, thank you so much, man. That was great. All
0: right, fellas.